So let's look at an example of how this plays out. We're going to be reading a poem by the wonderful poet Dora Malik. And the poem is called Love Poem. I'm going to read it through once, and then I'm going to break it down into couplets, meaning two lines, and we're going to look at how the rhyme and the alliteration and the assonance work. Love Poem. If by truth you mean hand, then yes. I hold to be self-evident and hold you in the highest. K.O. to my O.T., bait to my switch, I crown you one-trick pony to my one-horse town. Dub you my one-stop shopping, my space heater, juke joint, tourist trap, my peep show, my meter reader. You best batteries not included, bearing all or nothing. Let me begin by saying, if he hollers, end with goes the weasel. In between, cream filling. Get over it, meaning the moon. Tell me you'll dismember this night forever. You, my punch-drunken bag, tar to my feather. More than the sum of our private parts, we are some peekaboo, some peak and valley, some bright equation. If and, then but, if er, then uh, my fruit bat, my goo you had me at no duh. Okay. So you could probably hear as we read through that poem that there's a lot of sonic elements at play. And I just, like I said, want to take a second to go through and see how these elements are working. So let's begin by reading the first two lines. If by truth you mean hand, then yes, I hold to be self-evident and hold you in the highest. Right away, we see an example of slant or off rhyme and end rhyme. If you look at the end of those lines, the word yes and highest are given a lot of weight because they're at the end of the line, and the fact that they almost rhyme, highest, yes, gives us a feeling from the beginning of both joy and a little bit of instability. Why joy? The word yes, that's positive most of the time, and also yes refers to uh, what somebody ideally says maybe when they are proposed to. Then we go to the next word, highest. This idea of high elevation, holding someone in high regard as the pinnacle uh, and up on a pedestal. So there's positivity, but yet the fact that it's a slant rhyme starts us off with this idea that the speaker and their beloved, while in a positive situation, might also have some trouble ahead. So we keep going. Line three and four. K.O. to my O.T. and bait to my switch, I crown you one-trick pony to my one-horse town. Now again, we have end rhyme, crown and town. And if you remember from what we talked about before, not only is it end rhyme, but it's exact rhyme. Crown and town are exact rhymes, which pulls us as readers back to the belief that the love is suddenly centered and stable again. Now, is there anything else in the lines that I've just read that could maybe show us something else. Well, let's look again at the images. One trick pony, one horse town. These are maybe funny idioms, but also they seem to suggest that the way in which this couple lives 
isn't adventurous or the place in which this couple lives uh, might be very small. There might not be a lot there. And in that small space, the beloved is holding, or the lover, excuse me, as a speaker, is holding the beloved in high regard. But it's only maybe in this one horse town. We continue. Lines five and six. W my one-stop shopping, my space heater, juke joint, tourist trap, my peep show, my meter reader. Now we have uh, some nice elements of sound here, and I want to stop for a second and point something out. First, at this point, we're six lines in, and we can start to see that there is, in fact, what's called a rhyme scheme. The first two lines rhyme, the next two lines rhyme, the third set of lines rhyme. So that repetition of consistent rhyme, that's an example of rhyme scheme. Even if there's some slant rhymes in there, it's still a rhyme scheme. Next, I want to point out that clearly there is a rhyme, heater and reader. And we talked about before, this is again an example of slant or off rhyme. Heater and reader almost rhyme, but they don't rhyme perfectly. So as we learned before, this might imply a little bit of instability. But now we go and look at the other two elements of sound. Let's look at assonance and let's look at alliteration. When you look closely at those lines, you're going to see they're all over the place. One stop shopping, there's alliteration. Juke joint, alliteration again. Tourist trap, alliteration again. Now this does a couple things. One, it calls attention to the words, which means as we're reading and we hear that alliteration, we remember what were the words that were emphasized again? Oh right, one stop shopping. If we stop there for a second, stop shopping is a curious phrase. Sometimes people refer to the dating world as shopping around. Well, now we're saying we can stop shopping. I found the person I love. So here we have some positive uh, outlook on the relationship. But what comes next? Juke joint. Juke is very curious. A juke joint is a, a bar or a place where people can go to dance and listen to music. But juke is also a term that people use in boxing or to run away from something. So there's this idea of dancing and beauty, but also maybe a hint of, if not violence, um, some kind of disruption. And then we end with a very curious one, tourist trap. First of all, trap in a relationship, nobody really wants that. But the tourist part, part is also interesting. You've all, I'm sure, been a tourist somewhere, whether it was in a new neighborhood or a new city or a new distant world, okay? But if you're a tourist, it means you're not there forever. So in this relationship, if this is the tourist trap, it might be the beautiful thing that's right for right now, but might not be long-lasting. Now, it's not saying that the love is doomed. It's recognizing that the possibility is there. How do we get that? We get that by looking, in this case, at the alliteration and obviously the rhyme as well. Last thing I want to point out in that little section is the phrase peep show. If we're starting to figure out, well, Danny, maybe uh, she didn't mean anything by juke joint in tourist trap. Granted, this is my interpretation. But the word peep show is another element of this poem that gives me the feeling that something isn't stable or something isn't long-lasting because a peep show is a quick thrill. It's not something that lasts. So our sonic elements, plus in this case our images and the words chosen, are helping us understand what we can take from the poem. Let's keep going. Lines 7 and 8. You best batteries not included, bearing all or nothing. Let me begin by saying if he hollers. Now this is perhaps the most curious section of the piece for two reasons. One, 
If you look at the poem, physically step back and look at it, you'll notice that these two poems are right smack dab in the middle. So we're right in the middle of the movement of the piece. And what happens in the middle? Well, in this case, it's the most clear evidence we have of the speaker really falling apart. We actually have divided words up to get the rhyme we need. All or are two separate words to rhyme with holler. And it's not even an exact rhyme. It's a slant rhyme again. So not only is there a little bit of instability, but there's added instability by the fact that that word has to be broken and recreated to get a rhyme. Now we look at what those words are. All or break nothing, which seems somewhat positive. We're going to give our all to it, but also holler. Now, I get that it's a play, right, on uh, the word holler and the idiom that it's connecting to. But holler also seems to be something you shout or yell, maybe when one is in danger, you holler out. So again, here is the center of the poem and what happens in the center? Through the rhyme, through the sound that we hear, we understand a disruption is at play. And we understand the speaker might suddenly realize, I'm not sure if this is the best relationship or situation for me. Okay, next, lines nine and 10. Ends with, goes the weasel. In between, cream filling. Get over it, meaning the moon. Right after the very section that turns the poem, we again see disruption, and this time we get what's called an I rhyme. Between, with the two letters and an N, rhymes kind of with moon, O-O-N. They look like maybe they could rhyme, but clearly they don't. So we've lost, again, some of that sonic beauty, some of the harmony, but what can we pull away from that? Well, let's dial it back and look at the rest of that line. Get over it, meaning the moon. It plays on the idiom over the moon. An idiom, right, a phrase that people use to mean something else. If you're over the moon, it often means you're happy, you're joyful. But here we've broken it up. Get over it, meaning the moon. So what is the line actually saying? Is it saying, get over it and love and let yourself love? Or is it saying, get over it, and move beyond the love. It's very curious. So that sense of instability that the words are showing, we're actually seeing and hearing in the break of the rhyme. But the most fascinating part of the poem to me is what happens next. Watch what happens. The shakeup that occurs in the middle when the speaker is helping us feel as readers how maybe uncertain the longevity of this relationship is starts to return to form. Lines 11 and 12. Tell me you'll dismember this night forever. You, my punch-drunking bag, tar to my feather. Now, finally, the poem begins to return to a feeling of control. We get a closer rhyme. It's still slant, forever and feather. But we're also forced to emphasize those words, and those are important. The word forever. That seems important in the midst of a relationship that feels on certain levels like it might be collapsing or maybe it's not as real as one once thought it was, suddenly that word forever pops up. And it's as if the speaker is reminding his or herself, reminding the reader that even when something is unstable, there can still be a forever because nothing is perfect. And we also get a little bit of internal rhyme. Tell me you'll dismember that night forever. Dismember and forever. So we get all these sonic elements that are helping to build back the music. And if we think metaphorically about when the music returns, that seems to me to be an indication of when the speaker has gained control again of his or her feelings 
and the reader starts to hear the harmony that this relationship can bring to the world around it. It continues in line 13 and 14. More than the sum of our private parts, we are some peekaboo, some peak and valley, some. The end rhymes here are exact. They're the same words, in fact, some and some. So we've returned now to the exact rhyme, to the repetition, this idea of some. We're part, we're part, we're each part of something that together makes a whole. And in these two lines, we start to get the closest thing we might find to a meaning or a thesis for the poem. What are we then after all of this? We're more than the sum, and what happens here, alliteration, some of our private parts. So yes, we're separate, but yes, we're also together. But this is not just lust. This isn't just sex. We are more than our private parts. We are what? We're peekaboo, we're play, and we're also peak and valley. We're the highs, which is where we started in the poem, the yes and the highest. But we're also the valleys, the low parts, which some of, of that is what we heard in the middle, the holler, right? We are all of these things. We're some of each. And the relationship, as we know, like all relationship, may have its ups and downs, but there can be joy in that too. So how does the poem resolve? Lines 15 and 16. We are somewhat bright equation. If and, then but. If er, then uh. My fruit bat, my goo you had me at no duh. As I said before, the poem resolves, and how does it resolve? It resolves in perfect rhyme. It restores order, uh and duh. It helps us see as readers that the relationship is actually an equation, two people coming together in good times and in bad, through difficult moments and beautiful ones. The speaker refers to the beloved as an animal of the night, a fruit bat, and as a goo which is a bright, shiny thing that some people might consider worthless, but this person sees it as beautiful. It's not about what the rest of the world feels or thinks. It's about what they understand about their relationship. The ups and downs may be there, but there's also the peekaboo, there's also the highest, there's also the joy that comes in love. So what started out as maybe a simple love poem, or a poem that maybe when you first read it you thought, I don't know what to make of this. Simply focusing on the rhyme, the alliteration and assonance, the words we are made to focus on, and that we are asked to call our own as readers attention to, we can start to parse out meaning and gain a deeper understanding of the text. As writers, that is a joyous thing to have at your disposal. So if you use rhyme, if you use assonance and alliteration, and you use sound effectively, you can take your work in a new direction. In this case, we're finally left with a sense of completeness that was disrupted in the middle, but brought back together at the end because of rhyme, alliteration, and assonance.